Hello, this is the fellow cast, and we are doing another Ask the Pastors episode where Pastor Garth van die Kerk will be answering the following question. Why did God allow Satan to be in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? Enjoy. Cool question. I really love what's coming into this box, eh? <laughs> eh? We had yeah. a good time with it this. It is it's some interesting stuff. Some head scratches. All right. I, I, I think this question speaks to... I'd say three aspects, right? In the first place, there's the whole question of sovereignty and free will. Mm. How does that go together? And then a bit the same, but there is a difference to it because there's actually a scriptural quote for this as God's sovereign choice of God's free choice. The fact that God can actually choose what God chooses to do. And um, then I think the last thing that will come is is, um, God reveals himself um, despite bad circumstances. In mm. fact, the word says he turns what is meant for evil for good. All right. So we have to look at what's the fruit of actually what happened in the garden. Um, so let's maybe start with the sovereignty thing. Mm. If, we, if we look at God as the parent, the father, then let's put myself with my kids. Um, let's see, I've got one kid that's maybe still a toddler about to go into child phase, uh, Reuben. I've actually got the power to make Reuben do what I want him to do, right, as a parent. Yes. Especially as a dad. Um, whether it be by force, by manipulation, by physically confining him to a place that I want him to be, I can actually make that happen. In the same aspect, but to a much greater extent, God is in those shoes. He's powerful enough to make me do what he wants me to do. And uh, that's not a nice thought. We don't actually like that about God um, because, listen, it's not fair. But Paul's going to speak to that just now. We'll quote it out of Romans. He actually says as much. Yeah. Who am I to say to God, that's not fair? Mm. All right, It's a childish way of responding to the sovereign God. Yeah. He's God. Um, but the problem with the question at the top is, let's take it in that parent-child situation, is can we make peace with the fact that if my child is going to run off to the swimming pool and he's about to jump in, and I know for a fact he can't swim yet, that I'll let him jump. That's sort of the feeling that we get when we look at it, this story of Satan in the Garden of Eden yeah. with Adam and Eve from that parent perspective. It seems like God should have pressed pause, delete Satan out of the scene, and then <laughs> go on with the story. Yeah. Um, so there is something more to that than just the fact of sovereignty and free will. But we have to start by admitting, listen, Satan could have been in the Garden of Eden, which means he had a free choice. God did not confine him to another part of the universe. He could choose to be there and to engage with Adam and Eve. And in the second part, Adam and Eve had the choice to walk up to the tree. God did not confine them away from the tree when he gave the rule. He left them the free choice. So at least in that, in God's sovereignty, he gives them free choice. And we have to put that into the, the answer or thinking about this, which when it reflects back to me, um, if I want to blame God for things in my life, um, I have to at least put that in. Listen, I've got free choice as well, and people around me have free choice. And very often the, that's the uncomfortable answer to many of the sorrows that we go through in life. Then the second part of it, God's free choice. Uh, the reason I 
putting it distinct from the other one is because in Romans chapter 9, God speaks about this. In fact, uh, uh, in a discussion, we brought in the Romans chapter 9 to 11 in uh, about Israel the other day. Oh, isn't yes. It? So it's a popular chapter at the moment. But it's really, it really speaks to this one. Um, from verse 17, let me read you a bit over there. Um, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, it's like an example that Paul uses in the argument over there. The scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I've raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Just the context that he's quoting, he's speaking about Pharaoh in the Exodus, mm. uh, with Moses and the nation leaving, and how Pharaoh's heart was hardened, um, so that God can continue to bring plague upon plague upon plague, and eventually destroy Egypt, because he would not relent mm. and obey God's command to let the Israelites go. He's saying, listen, I raised you up. God's saying, I raised you up for this very purpose so that I can show my power through you. So the hardening of his heart was actually part of the story that God used to show more miracles than he would have if Pharaoh had a soft heart and after the first plague said, all right, go. <laughs> um, the, the scripture goes on. So then... He has mercy on whoever he wills, God, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? In other words, when I sin, or like with Pharaoh, when his heart is hardened, why does God still judge him for it? Right? It's a fair question. Mm. Um, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy? which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Really go and read that again. Sorry, I've gone through it now over once, but it's Romans 9, 17 to 23, and it's in the context of the entire three chapters that he's speaking. It's really not a popular piece of scripture, right? Because what it comes down to, it's saying, listen, Valdu, God made you who you are so that you can fulfill a particular role in the history of mankind. And who are you, Valdu, Paul is saying, to complain about how God made you? <laughs> it's not nice. No. <laughs> if I'm looking like, uh, look at, at people who's more pretty than I am, smarter than I am, or whatever, yeah. you know, more wealthy and ability to generate wealth, who am I, Garth, to complain to God for how he made me, mm. is what it comes down to. What makes it more tricky is he's actually speaking about Pharaoh's hardened heart here. That's at the center of the argument. And he's mm. saying Pharaoh's hard heart was part of the story for God. God used his hard heart in order to display his glory mm. um, through history. So the question is, um, is Pharaoh's sin part of God's plan? And the answer is no. Because Pharaoh had a free choice in all of it. Nowhere along the way was Pharaoh forced to resist God's clear command every time 
let my people go. There was warning after warning that every time Moses had the, um, God had the grace to send Moses as the messenger and say to him, listen, God is warning you, let my people go, or worse things are going to happen. And again, Pharaoh makes a free choice. So he's not a robot programmed by God to sin. That, that's really important to see in the picture. I cannot blame God one day when I go to hell because I resisted his grace time and time again. And Pharaoh has no excuse before God one day. We have to see that. And that's the difficult part of sovereignty and free will. The fact that it, it's pretty impossible for us as human beings to clearly see both sides of that coin at the same time. If you flip the coin, you see sovereignty. If you flip it again, you see free will. But we cannot seem to bring the two together. It's really, really difficult for us to fathom how does it work together that God actually can do exactly what he wants, when he wants, and yet I've got a free will every step of the way. Um, it's difficult to see. But it's part of the answer to this question. Because the, the thing is, Lucifer had a free will in the garden and so did adam and so did eve and yet somehow it forms part of god's plan now that brings us to the next part of the the answer that i believe is very important um it sort of comes at a at a side angle but i want to throw in the question over here think for a moment what would we know about god if genesis chapter 3 the fall never happened mm. We, you could think really, Valdu, with me, chuck in a few words over there. We would know God as the creator. Yeah. We would know him as almighty, all wise, yeah. um, really uh, beautiful, th because what he made actually displays his beauty mm. and his splendor. Uh, what else? All powerful. All I powerful. Think you mentioned it. Yes, yes. Um, the all sustainer. Knowing, all seeing. Yes, yeah. Uh, the faithful provider. Yeah. There's so many things that we know b about God. But listen, we would never know God as gracious. Think about that. Without sin in the world, we would never know God to be gracious. Because what would he be gracious for? Merciful. Savior. All the names that we call Jesus, not one of those names would be in our um, vocabulary towards God. Mm. Because everything that he displays is in the light of sin. God came to save us. God came to redeem us. God came to rescue us. He's the champion. I mean, what is there to overcome in terms of God if there's no sin in the world? Eh? So Jesus would never be glorified. There's actually this one aspect of the Trinity that sort of be, be missed for us. We would never know him for who he is, the one who's willing to sacrifice his life on our behalf. Eh? Now, it's a strange thought, but without Lucifer's coming into the garden that day, coming to tempt us as human beings, there's so much of God that we would never know. And I think that's part of the answer. Um, that God in his all-knowingness knew, if I'd allow this, you will actually come to know me more. You will know me as the gracious, merciful, good father who bent down to take you out of the miry clay and to sacrifice my son on your behalf. That's my love. How much of God's love would we know without that? Eh? Yeah. 
So let's just, with that in mind, just read a couple of verses from Romans again that we just read. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I've raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Think about what that says about the picture in Genesis. For this very reason I've raised you up. Hey, Lucifer, because despite of what you're going to do, I'm going to make my name known in the earth. Uh, what if God desiring, just reading from the chapter again, what if, what if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory. And praise God, me, you and everybody listening is one of those vessels of mercy prepared beforehand for glory. Despite the plans of Satan and the earth, he's scheming. God is making known his mercy to us. Um, and he's making known the glory for which he has prepared us to be Christ-like, like Jesus Christ, for all of eternity. Yeah. So maybe to wrap it up, um, why did God allow Satan to be in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? Honestly, we have to say, I don't know. It's God's sovereign's choice. But what we do know Satan was not confined by God. He had a free will. Adam and Eve was not confined by God. They had a free will to walk up to that tree, to engage in the discussion, to give in to the temptation. But God turned what was meant for evil for good. Like the scripture says, for those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. Every one of us. God made known to us. Um, despite Satan's intent to question God's goodness, God reveals himself more and more gloriously throughout time, even in the midst of the consequences of that event. Mm. Thank you so much for that, Garth. Challenging in the least, uh, but good nonetheless for us to listen to these things and be challenged by the word and the truth of God. And yeah, I trust that you've been blessed as you've listened. If you have any more questions for us, please send them to us. We'd, be love, we'd love to answer them for you. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.